Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and today we're going to be talking about a subject that I know is dear to many of our hearts, and that is around our weight and being better able to manage our menopausal weight, or sometimes what I like to call our meno bellies, that seem to appear as out of nowhere. And I'm joined today by Candice Wong. She is a weight loss coach, and she also is the founder of the FIRE Metabolism Method. And I'm just really curious to learn much more about that. So welcome to the show, Candice. Hi, yes. Thank you, Clarissa. I'm very excited to be here. My listeners know a little bit about you, Candice, and the work that you do, because I know you started life as a scientist who moved into this field. Yeah. So I actually worked in biotech for about 10 years. I am a scientist turned personal trainer where I help women lose weight by giving up dieting and endless hours of cardio in my fire method program. I make the weight loss journey fun, sustainable, and effective through just small habit changes to help women look and feel amazing in a body they love while also eating their favorite foods. Oh, there must be like thousands of women hearing that and going, yes, please. <laughs> but as I alluded to in my introduction, I mean, Candice, lots and lots of women really gain weight in menopause and and sometimes think, well, what is that? Is it my hormones? But why are we so susceptible to weight gain in this menopausal time of life? Yeah, so there are several factors. One of the factors is just muscle loss per decade. So as women starting in our 20s, if we are not doing any kind of resistance training, any strength training, we lose about five to six pounds of muscle per decade, which then leads to a slower metabolism and makes us more vulnerable to weight gain, even if we are not changing the amount of food that we're eating. And at the same time, during menopause, a decrease in, men in estrogen has shown that a decline has been a reason for just excess weight gain around menopause because estrogen has helped to aid in fat burning and fat storage as well. So when our estrogen goes down, we experience a decreased metabolism and also an increase in appetite. 
Wow. So what we're getting is really like two or three things going on, if I've heard you right. So we're obviously losing muscle mass, which I think many of us who are a little older can absolutely relate to that we just don't have that. That's sort of that thinning out of the body. And then at the same time, we've got estrogen, which just has so much to do with the way our body functions, declining and causing, am I right, then that's both a decrease in our metabolism, but also in our in encouraging our body to store more fat. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So that little sort of poochy belly we get is that fat storage. Is that right? Yes, that is fat storage, unfortunately. And that's not very good for us, is it, Candice, that particularly that belly fat? Yeah, no, it impacts the health of our organs. It is also linked to heart disease, uh, many other different types of diseases with higher just internal storage of body fat. Ooh, yes. And it's hard to shift. Why is it so hard to shift it? So it's one of the things where we think it's like, oh, I just need to eat less. And to some extent, a lot of women are dieting. That's where they think, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose the body fat. I'm going to start losing weight. And But the thing is, our bodies are made to adapt. We are made to survive. Your body doesn't know that it's like, oh, hey, I, you're looking to lose weight and you're looking to lose body fat and say, you know, let me cooperate with that. What your body is seeing is that every time you are dieting, you're eating fewer calories. And at the same time, you're probably doing a lot more exercise. And with your body's adaptation, it sees that you're feeding me less and you're trying to make me expend more energy. And in the mindset of, hey, I'm trying to help you survive, your body ramps down your metabolism such that no matter how much you are exercising, you are not burning as many calories as you think. And so that's where the whole cycle of excess dieting, excess exercising causes a lot of women to either one, you're not seeing any changes, you're not losing any weight. And if you did lose some weight, you're just hitting a wall and you're plateauing. Or when you go back to being eating like a normal, whatever normal is, your weight goes back up and you gain a few, even a few extra pounds. Isn't that right? Oh, yes, definitely. Because when you are cutting calories and you're doing excessive cardio, what happens is that leads to muscle loss. And so when you do get off your diet and you are, quote, getting back to eating normally, your body doesn't have the metabolism to handle that increase in calories. And so what it does is that it'll start storing back in fat, like fat storage, it'll increase the number of fat cells it's making just to store up all that extra calories that you added back to your diet when you went back to normal eating, such that the next time you start dieting, it becomes even more of a struggle to lose body fat and lose weight. And that's why women are on continual diets on and off throughout their life, desperately trying to lose weight and nothing is working. Yes, it is definitely a very vicious cycle. Yeah. And it gets harder. As you said, we're losing muscle mass. But why is having muscle mass just so important in this whole weight discussion, weight management discussion? Yeah. So a muscle, having more muscle mass increases your metabolism. And so I also like to say that as you go into menopause, it's better to go into menopause with as much muscle mass as possible because it is basically like your insurance policy against future weight gain, against 
future fat gain as well. And as women age, it's also important for bone health and maintaining and increasing your strength as you age. Because as we age, women, we are living longer, but we also want to live a better quality life. And so having more muscle mass, having more strength increases your length of time in which you have more of an independent life as well. So it increases your quality of life. Yeah. And I think we notice, don't we, that a lot of older women particularly as they get much older, are really quite frail. And, and some of that is related to loss of muscle mass, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So it's good for us. And you mentioned their bone health. And I think that's obviously a big factor in the quality of our life as we get older. And obviously, we over-index in osteoporosis as women. So we definitely want to do everything we can. So I'm glad to hear that getting more muscle mass could be a major contributing factor to helping to prevent osteoporosis. Exercise, I hear, weaved in and weaved out of this conversation. When women hear that word, they often go, oh, no, I hate the gym. But what do we really mean? Are we talking more about movement or are we talking about very deliberate exercise here? So a lot of the clients that I work with um, they've done a lot of cardio work. So either they used to run, do a lot of running marathon. They've also done a lot of boot camp type style classes to get their heart rate up. And they come to me at a point where they say, Hey, you know, I've stopped seeing results. And so when I mean exercise for all of my clients that I work with, I mean, starting to lift weights in some form at least two to three times a week. And so some sort of resistance training, either you are using resistance bands, you are using body weight, dumbbells, kettlebells, some sort of resistance in the form of strength training is going to be your best bet for maintaining and building muscle mass. Yes. So really, it's a combination, if I've understood you right, Candice. Mm-hmm. Yes. So weights weight training how how heavy how often do we need to weight train i usually recommend at least twice a week and as far as kind of evaluating how heavy and what kind of exercises you really want to feel challenged right so usually in uh, lifting weights you've heard of a term called a rep range so how many times you need to perform that specific exercise movement and so let's say like the rep range for a squat is between 10 to 12 reps. Like so you, that's kind of the rep range. And so by the time you reach the higher end of the rep range, so like 12 reps, 12 squats, you want to feel challenged. So if you think about like a scale of one to 10, where one is super easy, and this is where you're sitting on the couch, like super easy to do. And then 10 is like, you are giving 110%, like you're giving it your all. When you're lifting weights, you want to be about a seven. So it's not where you are killing yourself and it's not where this is like super easy. You want to feel challenged. And that's kind of the sweet spot for maintaining and building muscle mass. Right. So we're, we're talking about things like squats where if I remember when I used to go to weight training, I don't really is putting weights onto your shoulders and, and on a bar, that kind of exercise? Yeah. So I'm sure that's kind of what women think of when they're thinking squatting, they're like barbell work, but there are 
many different forms of exercise for like that same movement. So if you're doing something like a squat, you can start with body weight, you can start with like sitting on a chair, you can start with some dumbbells and add resistance. It's not just one specific exercise, but there's a lot of different variations in terms of skill level and in terms of difficulty. So it's not just like one, you have to only do that one exercise, but there's a a variety of different types of that movement and it can accommodate, you know, if you have an injury or you have limited mobility, there's many different ways to change that exercise so that it suits your body type, your skill level, and you're still able to make progress. Yeah, it sounds a lot more hopeful, actually, when I hear that than just these sort of things, which you tend to get a lot of in gyms. If you go to a general gym class, it's very much a set series of of weight exercises, and they can become quite limiting, I found, after a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I started lifting weights when I was in college, and I found that atmosphere extremely intimidating. And so I went to the gym, and I started just using machines when nobody was around. So because it was just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was not very confident at that time. And I didn't want anybody like pointing at my mistakes or anything. So I started using machines the very first time when I started lifting weights and getting into this. Because mm. I think that there there becomes a time when either you don't have the the know-how and I think they're like, pile on, make it 10 kilos, make it 20 kilos. 20 kilos is quite a lot to lift. I th- well, I think for me, that was about my limit on those sort of squat <laughs> movements, <laughs> which was, was about where I got to. And, and then I had a lot of problems with my knees. And I'm, I'm sure there are listeners listening to this and saying, gosh, it's a lot of strain on some parts of my body to do that. What are some of the ways that they, we as women who are maybe a little older can overcome those feelings? Yeah. So if you do have any previous injuries, any strains or limited mobility, I strongly recommend that you work with a personal trainer in person because somebody who is very skilled and knowledgeable will be able to accommodate your challenges and still be able to design a really great workout for you that is effective and helps you to build muscle mass. So if you have sort of a previous injury or you're hesitant or you're intimidated by the gym, you're not sure how to get around the gym. Like when I when I first started, I recommend working with a very skilled and knowledgeable personal trainer and you will not only build confidence in the using the the different exercises and the equipment at the gym, but you'll see yourself make a lot of progress. And so it's the progress that kind of keeps you going to the gym to keep lifting weights and to keep exercising to build that muscle mass to help you to lose that body fat. Yeah. You talked a lot about also working with your own body resistance, like you would in a in a yoga or a, or a Pilates. How does that fit into a broader exercise regime? So bodyweight exercises are great if you are working from home, you have a limited equipment, or you're just not interested in purchasing equipment, or you don't have access to a gym. Bodyweight exercises such as doing your push-ups, you can do different types of squats, um, a pull-up bar with a chair for assistance. Like There are many different ways to 
just design a very effective strength training exercise just using your body weight. A lot of my clients do enjoy doing yoga and cardio at the same time. So within my program, I have this requirement that they are at least lifting three times a week. And then on the other days, they have what I call active recovery days in which they are able to either, you know, if they like yoga, you can do your yoga sessions. If you enjoy hiking, then you go hiking. If you enjoy running, then go do some form of running as well. So it's a balance of making sure that your exercise routine includes strength, some form of strength training. Yeah, I get that. How does that compare with HIT classes, which a lot of women are being encouraged to take up in this perimenopause phase? Yeah, so HIIT classes are really great for increasing your heart rate, right? And HIIT classes feel great because afterwards you're covered in sweat, you've got your cardio workout in, you're all flushed, and you just feel great. But the, the thing with cardio, including high-intensity interval training, which is considered HIIT, is that the window in which you are burning calories is very small compared to the window when you are lifting weights. Because when you are lifting weights in effective workout in which you are challenging yourself, what happens is that you are creating sort of micro tears in your muscle tissue. That's where you get that soreness, you know, like two days after your workout. And so it takes your body a lot of time, a lot of resources and calories to actually repair that muscle mass. So if you're going to the gym multiple times a week, you have that window of opportunity which in which your body is using a lot of resources and a lot of calories to build and repair muscle. So over time, your metabolism, your resting metabolism goes up because you just have more muscle mass. Versus if you're just doing a cardio workout, like a high intensity cardio workout, you're only burning calories during the workout. And so some say that, okay, you could be burning a little bit extra within 24 hours, but that's about it. It doesn't really necessarily add to your resting metabolism over the long term. Versus strength training, having more muscle mass, you increase your resting metabolism. Yeah. So that is the real key. That's the real difference. And I think that's really useful for the listeners to know and understand because there is a huge amount of emphasis on on HIT. It's it's become very popular. And yeah, there is a lot of discussion as well on weight and the importance of weight and strength training. Let's talk about a little bit more about metabolism because we're we're sort of in the one hand we're trying to build it through exercise, but we've got a body that's pulling in the other direction in many ways. What else can women be doing to really help their metabolism to stay up beyond just building muscle mass? Yeah, so also a really big thing that impacts your metabolism and connects to muscle building is making sure that you're adding enough protein to your diet. I find that most women are not eating a sufficient amount of protein and because you are not eating enough protein, what happens is that you're unable to just retain and even build muscle mass. And so how much protein is enough protein, right? So usually what I recommend is you want to kind of eat a palmful of protein at every meal. 
And so protein has multiple benefits, especially if you're trying to lose weight or lose body fat. The one thing that the diet industry really pushes is that, hey, you must be eating fewer calories than you burn. And so one of the key factors in which women quit their dieting is because they're hungry, right? Nobody likes to be hungry and uncomfortable. And it's just how difficult it is to keep on a diet to lose weight when you're constantly hungry. Like it's not a good feeling. And so you can mitigate that hunger by adding a sufficient amount of protein to every meal because protein, not only it slows down your digestion, but the big benefit is that because it takes so many resources for your body to digest protein, that up to about 30% of the calories that are used to burn protein actually gets burned off. So your, your body is like, it, it burns a lot. It like burns 30% of the calories of protein and it's being used for digestion. So that is really big factor. Yeah. And I, and I think that you talked about being hungry. I think a lot of women that I have worked with just don't eat enough in general not just protein, but they're just not eating enough. Has that been your experience too? Oh, yeah, definitely. What I find is I'm not sure where women get the idea of, hey, you know, I'm just going to eat 1200 calories. And I'm like, everybody has a different height, a different weight, different activity level. And so everybody has different calorie requirements. And I've never recommended a client eat 1200 calories before and if so if you're a woman who's like five six and you're over a hundred pounds you need to eat more than 1200 calories and one of the drawbacks about eating 1200 calories and eating too few calories is that it will automatically slow down your metabolism so that you're not burning many calories so it's working so it's it's working in the exact opposite direction to what everything women have been told Oh, yes, definitely. And it makes it not only are you hungry, but your metabolism has slowed down so that you're not burning much fat at all. Yeah. And so you're recommending, obviously, protein. You're obviously recommending women eat more more in general, more appropriately to the size and the exercise they do. But protein, talk a bit more about the different types of protein. If we're going to eat protein at every meal, what does that look like? Can you give an example? Yeah. So typically for my clients, the biggest opportunity that they miss for adding protein to their diet is breakfast. Usually they're like, I'm just going to grab a coffee and a blueberry muffin or a bagel. And there's that opportunity where you can add more protein to your breakfast, right? You can add a hard boiled egg, maybe have a cup of Greek yogurt I personally eat dinners for breakfast. I love eating leftovers. And so that's where I get my source of protein. So either it's like chicken or fish or beef for breakfast, but usually a variety of protein is best. So get your protein from many different sources, like tofu, you've got some lean cuts of like chicken, turkey, beef, fish is a really good source of protein as well. If you're vegetarian or vegan, you want to look more towards soy products, so tofu, and include a lot of beans and lentils, which and quinoa, which are really good sources of protein. Yeah, definitely. So there, there's sort of this, and as you said, at breakfast you can eat anything. And traditionally, of course, people 
in all sorts of cultures have eaten protein, you know, like fish or like eggs, and that sort of move away, I think you're saying, from the sweet breakfast cereal or the grabbing of the muffin. Yeah, definitely. Usually a lot of those foods are high in sugar, which then you experience kind of hunger earlier in the morning. But if you're eating a handful of protein for breakfast, you'll find that you'll have a lot more steady state of energy throughout the entire day and you won't get as hungry as soon. I think that's that's just really good basic advice, isn't it? And it's it's one I think we've had come through from some other diet nutritionists that we need to be eating. And we need to also be eating a better quality of protein, don't we, as we get older? Oh, yeah. I usually recommend like stay away from the processed stuff. You know, anything with like nitrates in them, the deli ham, lots of salt and nitrate. You want to kind of be eating more leaner cuts of protein and also try to get the best quality protein that you can afford. So pasture raised meat, free range meat and just leaner cuts of meat. Yes. And then obviously fish and beans and lentils and tofu, as you said, are really good sources of protein. Yes, they are. Yeah, indeed. And they're good for us for the reasons they're good for us because they contain phytoestrogens, which are really good in terms of helping us to have better hormonal balance. Yes. Let's, you know, you have a particular approach to working with metabolism, which you call FIRE. Are you able to share a little bit more with the listeners what that is? Yeah, so my program is called the FIRE method. And FIRE is basically an acronym that stands for Fuel, Ignite, Redefine, and Emerge. And it's four key pillars in my program. So I like to work first off with my clients on their nutrition. A lot of my clients came from diet hopping. They've done really restrictive calorie dieting. And so the idea of not having to diet and still being able to lose weight is very eye-opening to them. And so I like to work with them on figuring out, hey, you know, what works best for your body? What do you like to eat? And what's going to work for your lifestyle that's sustainable and also get you the results? And then Ignite is about boosting your metabolism. So that's where we're making sure that they're lifting weights, you are consistent And then your workouts also work for your busy lifestyle, right? I could design for you the perfect program, but if you are unable to be consistent, you're not going to get half the results, right? So making sure that these strength training programs are one, aligned with your skill, two, you have the available equipment to do it, and then three, you are being consistent and always making progress, right? So it works for your lifestyle. And then the third part is redefined, which is mindset, right? A lot of times it's like, oh, people diet hop. Dieting just creates what I like to call a habit failure loop where it is so restrictive. It is unreasonable to eat that particular way over a long period of time. And so a lot of people don't get the results that those diets promise. And they think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm such a failure. I don't deserve these results. And then they try a different diet which then gives them the same mentality where it's like, oh, it's so restrictive, it's unrealistic. And then they're like, well, okay, I can't get these results that they're promising. And it's like, oh, well, I'm I'm stuck with this body, right? And so working with them to create a resilient mindset and figuring out, hey, 
what kind of mindset do people who successfully lose weight have versus people who don't successfully lose weight, right? So working with them on the mindset. And then the last part is emerge, right? So that's where they start believing in themselves that they can get these results and believing in themselves to follow through. Because a lot of the women who come to me, they're like, well, you know, I know I should exercise. I know I should eat healthier, but you know, they're going to start when they come back from vacation or after my birthday or next Monday, and they never follow through. And so emerge is that pillar where it's like, okay, you know, you go through this program, you start seeing the results, and then you start believing in yourself to follow through. You feel more confident, you feel comfortable in your body. And it's not just about the look, like how you look in the mirror, but because you feel confident, you feel proud and you love the way you look that confidence permeates into other areas of your life, right? It affects your relationships. It affects your career. You have a lot more confidence. Maybe you're like, hey, you want to ask for a pay raise or you want to go for that promotion, you know? And so it's not just about looking good, but it's about the confidence you have and the confidence will permeate into other areas of your life. And so Within my FIRE method program, I like to touch upon these four pillars because it's what gets clients permanent results. Exactly. And one of my questions in that is keeping motivated once you've achieved whatever desired weight you want to be, how does that work within your system? A lot of women fall off the diets or they stop their diets because it's like, one, they, they either they're not seeing the results they're looking for, or two, they have unrealistic goals in setting. So as far as keeping them motivated, I like to kind of help them get a perspective change, right? Because a lot of them are like, yeah, I want to lose 20 pounds. But the thing is, you have no control whether tomorrow or next week or next month, you can lose 20 pounds, right? And so what I like to take and work with them with is that Let's focus on what do you have control over? What can you make progress on today, right? So today you can get your workout in, maybe go for a 30-minute walk. If you're tight on your schedule, you have control over that. And so focusing on the process and the strategy that I have in place for them helps them to see progress, helps them to see that they are making improvements. And so when they start seeing those changes, eventually those 20 pounds will come off easily, but it's all about that perspective change. And so when they start seeing themselves follow through, when they start seeing themselves, it's like, hey, I can do this. I am following through. And that's what keeps them motivated throughout the entire program. So it's all about having a different perspective change. And it's not just about like, yes, the 20 pounds is great, but sometimes the 20 pounds is so far away that it seems unattainable, even if I keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, right? So we like to kind of set smaller goals, more realistic goals, and work with them to figure out, hey, what's realistic for you now? How can I work with you right now and figure out what's sustainable for you today and tomorrow and next week, and then so on and so forth. Yeah. And that sounds so much better than, as you said, aiming just for a number, and then we can put up lots of barriers. At the start, you mentioned the word fun. How does fun come into this, Candice? A lot of times, a lot of my clients are like, like I mentioned earlier, they are from doing a lot of diets. They feel unhappy with what they're eating. They feel very restrictive. 
And so the fun comes in, hey, you know, you get to not only lose weight, but you get to enjoy what you're eating, right? We all deserve to enjoy what we're eating and you can change and improve your nutrition while eating your favorite foods. And so that's kind of where that fun kind of comes in. Not only are you enjoying what you're eating, right? And at the same time, in my Fire Method program, we also do group uh, strength training workouts as well. So you get to connect with other women and there is a community of women who have similar goals and we're cheering each other on and motivating each other. And so that's where that having that support and that community kind of comes into the fun part of the program. I love that. I think that's a really, really important thing. And I think I think some of us have missed uh, yoga classes. I mean, I don't, I don't go to gym because I hate, <laughs> I hate the gym. I hate the gym. I just, and I live very far out in the countryside, so I practice yoga. But having community is really important around us to keep us going and to say, "Well, I'm making progress. Are you making progress?" and and you know, cheer each other on. So I love that. Yeah, definitely. If you had to give women, you know, some key tips to get started on this journey of, you know, moving and shifting this weight, lifting the metabolism, what would your key points be? One of the key points would be is to create a small, small, tiny goal. Oftentimes when we're motivated to lose 20 pounds, we're like, you know what, I'm going to work out five times a week. I'm going to cut out all the sugar. I'm going to cut out all the processed foods. And you know what, for a couple of days, maybe a week, that's possible. But real life happens. We are all busy. We have things to do. And at the same time, it's like, yes, we would like to lose weight, but we also want to enjoy our life while we're getting there. And so you want to set yourself small goals. So instead of saying, hey, if you've never exercised and you're just starting on this exercise plan, you're like, oh, I'm going to go exercise three times a week. I'm going to get on that treadmill three times a week, right? Instead, set a smaller goal and just like do, I'm just going to get on that treadmill for five minutes. And so instead of setting a smaller goal, one, makes it easy. Like, oh, I can totally do that. Two, it's you're more likely to follow through. And three, when you make time for that in your schedule to do that, because who doesn't have five minutes, right? You start kind of creating a habit change leading to that, right? And so it's like, oh, if I can do five minutes, hell, I can put on 10 minutes, right? I can do 10 minutes. And so you start growing and you start making progress. And so you're working your way up to your ideal schedule instead of starting at your ideal schedule and then life happens, things get busy and you drop everything and you're starting from zero again. So it's important to start small. It's like a little snowball, right? You get motivated, you accomplish it, you feel confident, you feel like you can do it and then you're going to do a little bit more. That's actually the fantastic advice. Fantastic. Listen, so start small. Don't think you're going to suddenly be doing five sessions a week in the gym because you don't. <laughs> you, get, you get put off and then you really don't. Yes. Candice, it's a really interesting and very practical way that you help women. How can women get in contact with you and learn more about your work and maybe start working with you? 
I do have a free guide that I'm offering and it's called Three Weight Loss Hacks and it's been tested by hundreds of my clients. And those weight loss hacks have nothing to do with eating and have nothing to do with exercise. But you can grab that free guide on my website. It's roadstostrength.com. So R-H-O-D-E-S-T-O and then the word strength.com. And you can find information there to book a breakthrough call to work with me. I'm also getting back on Instagram as well. And so my Instagram handle is at roads to strength and so r-h-o-d-e-s and then t-o and then the word strength brilliant i love that candace so guys check out candace's works website which is roads to strength we'll put those in the show notes so you can follow through and check her out on instagram i'll be following her and you should definitely follow her too candace thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this really important part of women's lives and how we can actually get our weight and do other good for our body, in particular our bones and our muscle mass. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions, why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristensen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristensen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. The is it morning yet deal. How about now or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.